podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Good evening and welcome to another weekly edition of your Touchy Gooners. It is your boy SV Carboholic on hosting duties tonight. Um, and I'm joined by my good brother Shabs. How are we doing, mate? But that's Sean. I'm good, though. I'm good, though. It's, I'm good. I'm it's, good. It's, do you know what? It's been a while, you know. Where have you been? Hey, listen. Where, 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 where have you been? If I start telling people about my life, man, <laughs> listen, I'll tell you. I don't even know how many uh, plates I'm spinning right now, you know, but I'm making it happen and I'm here. Well, I'm going to catch a bit of, 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 of tension for being here on this podcast right now when I should be tending to some business matters, but it is where it is, man. The football's the, the football news has been too sweet, man. I can't miss this. So I'm here. I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it later, but I'm here now. Well, it's good to have you here, brother Shabs. Um, yeah, thank you again for all the listeners, um, especially our Patreon users. Um, Patreon's free to sign up. so only £3, as little as £3 a month. You can... Uh, listen to some exclusive stuff. We did um, a whole Patreon piece on Declan Rice um, last week. We'll have one coming up on uh, Kai Havertz and, um, you know, imp- impending signing Yuri and Timber as well. So lots and lots to get stuck into. Um, we've been very, very active, probably the most active team so far in the window. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, uh, Shab, since we obviously haven't spoken in a while, well, I say spoken in a while, on on the pod, not in the group. Yeah. Um how, uh, you know, what, what's your overall assessment of, you know, let's look at it holistically. We're now three weeks into the transfer window. We have renewed all our key players. Um, Ramsdale, new contract. Gabriel Martinelli, new contract. William Saliba, obviously it's not been announced yet, but we know new contract as well. Bukayo Saka, new contract. We have already signed Kai Havertz from Chelsea for 65 million. Clubs announced that. Um Yesterday, David Ornstein dropped the bomb. I mean, at eleven thirty, that the agreement's finally been reached with West Ham. The payment structure, there's, there's, it's been agreed there. I mean, I was asleep, but you know, I, I like stuff being broken in business hours. But you know, you people that like to be awake at half eleven at night, fair enough. And um, and we know Yuri and Timba, as Ornstein announced around midday today as well. So, um, they appear to have been the club's three priority targets, and they've got them done very, very quickly. Um, in addition to, as I just mentioned, the renewals, which is almost unheard of for us. Um, so firstly, how do you assess um, the business? And, and you know, do we, you know, do we need to be giving um, Edu and the negotiating team praise for how efficiently they've moved um, at the start of this window? Hey, I think Edu needs a contract renewal after this one, I'll be honest with you. I swear, after the main business is out of the way, we need to extend terms and, and renegotiate and give that brother a pay rise as well for the way that he's been moving right now because um, this is a statement of intent. Make no mistake about it. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned um, the 
contract renewals as well, because it's not just the signings. You know, I think we have to look at it holistically. And the contract renewals are, for me, a real opportunity to uh, set your narrative entering into the transfer window. And I think what it means, if we don't secure or lock down Saliba, if we don't secure or lock down Saka, what it means for this summer window is that you enter into the summer window with lots of speculation about which players you can lose. Um, you know, teams try to get savvy, teams try to get cute and kind of um, turn the players' heads, all of that stuff. So by doing that in terms of the contract renewals, it was so important to just set the tone and control the narratives about what we wanted to do this summer, first and foremost. Um, and set the tone and narrative even beyond the summer. It's like, actually, what we've built, we came close. We had a good season, as good a season as we've had in years as a football club. And actually, this is the direction of travel now. And this is where we're heading to. And actually, we want to mean business, you know. So I think they've done that with the manner in which the renewals uh, took place with the contracts that they've handed out to these guys as well. Um, you know, Saka's on a wage that is very difficult to argue that he deserves that 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 wage or that salary. Um, Saliba is very difficult to argue against um, him deserving um, what we're paying him as well. So you know, and uh, and others. So I think the contract renewals are very important. And then in terms of the actual signings both in terms of the quality of player, um, because whatever whatever you think, and I think probably the only doubt is Havertz. I don't think there's much doubt, around, or I haven't heard much doubt around Rice, and I've heard a lot of excitement around Timber. But I think Havertz is the one, and maybe it's fringes of, um, oh, he's coming from Chelsea or whatnot. Um, the fee, we wouldn't pay that much for him or whatnot. But I think if you actually look at the player in terms of ability, he is a sound player. He's, you know, he's an excellent football player. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, it's a real, it's a real statement of intent that we've gone out, we've signed these players, we've got them in quite quickly, and um, yeah, I think the main business is done for us, and it just positions us nicely moving into the summer to say, yeah. And I think also what happens is that. Um, the, the importance of preseason is sometimes played down. I think it's really downplayed. And I think especially for Arteta, um, A, the coach is, but B, the way he wants us to play and the level of detail and instruction that he gives to the players. You need your key players to be around and available in preseason. It makes such a difference. And I think, you know, I used to complain about um us always waiting until later in the window to get our business done and whatnot, sometimes starting the season before you're bringing in signings. I hate that. I really hate that. I don't, I don't like the idea of it. I think you want your side to be settled moving into the season with your key additions and you want your key players who are going to form, you know, the bulk of your, 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 you know, your core group. You want them to be available. You want them to be present in preseason. You know, you want to go through that. You want to see. You you want to go through the emotions in preseason as well. So, yeah, and it just generates an additional level of excitement for me. So for me, overall, I think it's fantastic. Honestly, I'm really. It's, I think it's. We, we can't say very many times that we've been in a position um, at this stage in the window 
where um, you know it's the first week or what we're into the second week of of the transfer window, and our three key targets are locked down with two hundred million spent basically. So yeah, fantastic. Buzz is a great time to be a Gruner right now, definitely. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, and and I think whether you you know generally rate or you know you might have doubts over certain players. You know, whatever your position on the individuals you've signed, I don't think one thing is for certain. You can't fault the club's ambition, right? They've identified that these are their main targets and they went and executed it and they've executed it very, very quickly. You know, mm. uh, Rice, I know it took three bids to get there, but obviously with that amount of money that we're negotiating, it's just, you know, you've got to be... And, you know, even if we, we compare it to when City signed Grealish, right? I think they took a good two and a bit months to sign, to sign that. Do you know what I mean? So... In essence, getting this done in just over two weeks, that is very, very quick. Um, Havertz, what, we had one bid rejected and then I think the second bid was, you know, they pretty much met around the middle in Timber. I think there was one bid rejected and then the second bid was, you know, so it was very, very swift negotiating on, on all parts. And, you know, I think sometimes we've also bemoaned in the past about can we work on multiple deals at the same time? And and you yeah. saw with, with all three of these, do you know what I mean? So there was news filtering around. Obviously, I know Havertz was the one that came off first, but... All of these were all in the same ether at the same time, right? We we were seeing it all, so I think I think that's great. Um, so yeah, no, I'm really really encouraged by it, man. And and like I said, hopefully, you know, um, they will all yield fruit, um, you know, because it is heavy expenditure. It's a lot to be spent. So um, so yeah, and 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 that probably brings me on nicely to, you know, because I want to talk about, you know, that's the, the first half of the summer business has been executed well. But mm. we know, and I know you especially, we've spoken about how we're historically, we're not good at selling, especially when you look down the road at Chelsea, how well they sell, how much they probably already recouped, best part of like 200 million this window, um, yeah. you know, and, and I think it is, you know, so whilst we can give Edu credit for and, you know, the negotiating team for how well they've done there, I think this is also going to be where they earn their bread and their corn um, this summer because we spent just over 200 mil. I think to spend more now, you're going to need to fund that through the sales, right? So through good, efficient selling. And, um, you know, the first one that looks likely to happen is is Xhaka. I think, you know, last day of the season, it, it was pretty much confirmed. Well, it wasn't confirmed, but all the noise was that he was going to go to buy Leverkusen and that there was a fee rumoured to be around £30 million that was agreed. And, you know, coming off the back of a season where he's scored nine goals and had seven assists, you're thinking, you know, it's the season of his career. Do you know what I mean? We should be able to get a bit more. And yeah. uh, by all accounts, you know, it looks now that um, a fee around, you know, it looks like probably the negotiating team have probably just said, you know, we, we want a bit more and, it, and it, they've managed to get up to 21 and a half mil. So which is another eight and a half mil more than where we were. So I think for a 30 year old Granite Xhaka, who is ostensibly a deep line playmaker, obviously turned into more of a box to box midfielder by Arteta. I think that's really good business. So how do you feel about that one and then potentially maybe we've got like another 10 11 guys that that probably need to go this summer as well yeah you know what i i, I always like mine and your discourse because it's always from a place of logic and reason and it's like you'll have your reasoning and you'll stand behind your reasoning and i'll say yeah i i, I do understand i do hear that however and i'll put my point forward and you know that that's how we kind of move um, with each other in particular in the chat. I, I always felt that 13 million was a poor bid. I think, you know, I, 
personally, I wouldn't have been happy with recouping £13 million for Shaka. Um, I've been saying, people know, you know, listeners will know my views on Granite Xhaka, you know, my long-standing views on Granite Xhaka. And actually, the club have done a fantastic job. Arteta's done a fantastic job, definitely, in terms of getting the best out of him. And rightly so, he had the season of his life. And he is one of our most important players. I don't think we can justify it. You see the same way I'm saying about um, setting a narrative and setting a tone and signalling intention. I don't think we'll be able to justify selling him for £13 million off the back of the season that he's had. I think that would have just, you know, kind of undone some of the good narrative that we started to construct. Um, I know what you're saying, and I do agree with you, clubs on the continent generally um, don't have bread. But I think there are some clubs that do have bread. But when it comes to dealing with English clubs, they flex a certain way. And they flex a certain way because they're saying, well, look, like these English clubs have got crazy bread. So we can't start showing them that we've got money because they'll start, you know what I mean? Um, but if we wanted to sign a player out of Leverkusen, you know, the asking price immediately um, increases. So why is it, you know, why why should it be different the other way around? So I think um, whatever's happened in the, in the negotiation to look at getting £21.5 million for Shaka, that's a decent fee. You know, that's a decent fee. I can live with that. And I think, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I think last season, I talked a lot of shit about Shaka. And last season, I was doing up Apologist. And, um, you know, I really respect him. I've come to really respect him. I've come to really respect what he's meant for um, the, the the club. I do think we had to get out of his weaknesses. And there's a masterstroke from Arteta kind of moving him away from like the deep uh, midfielder receiving the ball. Because that, just didn't work. And I think we found something that's effective for him and for us. And um, it was a challenge for Shaka. He rose to the challenge. He's met it. And I think, yeah, he's he's kind of, um, he can leave with his head um, held high and, you know, with, with, with um, you know, some, some, some good stories intact. Because I think his period at Arsenal has been decent, you know. So, yeah, man, let's get that money for him and let's assess what other business Edu's able to do throughout the summer. But yeah, I think it is really important, generally speaking, in terms of selling clubs. I, you know, I've been going on about this. As much as I'm excited about the transfer deals, I think that where we fall short is the money that we're able to recoup or money that we're unable to recoup in terms in the transfer market from player sales. I think we need to improve as a club doing it. And I think we ourselves as fans probably undervalue some of our players um, I don't know, based on opinions of what we think we'd pay for a player. But when I look at like for likes, I think, uh, why are we justifying Eddie and Katia, for example, going for, I don't know, 20 million when look at what Rian Brewster went for? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, for, to me, Eddie and Katia is a better player, a better striker than Rian Brewster. So, why, like, what, what, what is it? How are we saying that? And, and this was like a couple seasons ago as well. Eddie and Katia has got years on a contract as well. So it's things like that that I think, uh, let's look at comparables. Let's look at benchmarking. Let's look at reference points in the league in like for like comparables. I think we're selling ourselves short for some players. I think we can recoup a hundred million pounds in player sales this summer, depending on who. But yeah, I think, I think we can, if we, if we get rid of a lot of these marginal players, I think we can recoup a hundred million in sales. Okay, so, so let's 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 do this then as a, as a quick exercise, because um, one of the listeners' questions we had in was from Lukey Tyler, 
who said, how much do you honestly think we can get for the likes of, and then he's listed like Cedric, Pepe, Holding, Lukonga, Balogun, Patino. So what I'm going to do quickly, I've got the Arsenal squad up here. So yeah. uh, I'm going to go through names and you just give me a ballpark figure. Because if I just start from, say, so obviously 21 and a half mil for Xhaka, and we know yeah. we're getting 6 million from Pablo Mari's sale as well. So that's yeah. 20, 27 and a half mil we're at already yeah. Yeah, in sales, yeah? yeah? So let's see if we let's see. Okay, so give me. So I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a name. Give me the team, or give me a team and a rough figure of, of what you can or what you think we can get for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and if I have a pushback, I'll I'll go back. All right. So I'll start. Kieran Tierney. Oh, Kieran Tierney. I think Newcastle is the obvious one. I think it's difficult to kind of look past Newcastle. I think thirty-five million. I think probably more. I think we should be saying up to 40 million. Um, people will say, oh, but he's not a starter for us, blah, 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 blah. I think 40 million we could nab for Quirantini because the argument is that we're selling to a direct rival. They're in the Champions League. And how many other high quality left backs will Newcastle go out and sign for less than 35 to 40 million? I think we could push it up to 40 mil but 35 mil I can live with sure sure I, I think so a couple of things with Tierney it seems like he is apparently he's homesick well that you know if you believe some of the reports that he wants to be closer to home so obviously Newcastle yeah. is a is a yeah. move that makes sense from that standpoint they have yeah. Champions League football although if you believe um certain certain individuals um they have um they do have FFP concerns so we'll see you know, um, we'll see around that. We'll, we'll see around that. Um, so, okay, yeah. we'll, we'll go with that. Um, we'll welcome Doctor Leroy, no. Doctor the Pod as well. Oh, my bro. Bro. no, my people. How are you? <laughs> hey, fancy catching you? Hey, me, me, me and me and Leroy ain't been on in a minute. In a minute together, yo. All right, so. So, Lee, what we're doing, we're just quickly doing an exercise. Uh, one of the listeners' questions was about how much you reckon you can get from X, from from whatever players, um, the dead list. And... Eddie or Ballo, 50 million. <laughs> no less. <laughs> oh, but you know what? I was going to come in and say, now we can't do this with Leo because Leo is super conservative, you know, in terms of the fees. Yeah. But when you said Eddie or Ballo, 50 million, I can go with that. We'll come to them. So, Shab said, so we were talking about KT. Okay. And and obviously Newcastle was I think that's been listed as the only viable option. Although yeah. there's rumours that they have FFP concerns as well because they haven't made many sales in recent years. So Shab said around thirty five to forty mil. Yep. Um, for KT, I, the issue with KT, I don't see too much market demand because there's only going to be a limited amount of clubs that always drives the price down. He's obviously second in our second in command. Doesn't really get much minutes. He's got injury record. He's a lot older than we signed him, and he's on a bigger wage. So, because of that, I don't see us getting more than 30 mil. 30? Okay. Shab, Shab's, Shab said in between 35 to 40 because he still has three years left on his deal, right? He's only 25. Yeah. Um, so, there is still a lot of marketability with KT. Obviously, the point taken in, in that he hasn't played a lot of football this season. Okay. And, and I think and I, I think that the, the market demand is an interesting one because there's only probably a select few teams that he can maybe go to is exactly is that, is, is that fair to say and that's the problem because if in an open market with competition i think kieran tinney does go for 40 mil but 
the fact is, where is Tinny going to go? You're going to list maybe what, one club, mm-hmm. two clubs. They've, they've, got, they've got a lot of leverage there. Um, I know we've got leverage in the contract, and he he's going to want it out as well. He's going to kick up a stink as well. So uh, that's why I don't see. I think that's going to be suppressing the price. I don't see us getting more than thirty. I think that's okay. fair. I think that's okay. Fair. Okay. Um, next one. I mean, Rob Holding. I'll take whatever I can. Just get him out. But um, same. Eight million, and um, any of the promoted clubs. I'm sorry. We we need to be getting fifteen for Holden. I'm I'm sorry. Fifteen. We, we cannot keep giving players away. No, I'm sorry. Rob Holden is going to have more market more market competition, but even from a lower end than Kieran Tinney. All right. So so so, so, so let, let, let me let me ask you this then. Um, Nathan Collins from Wolves. I was just going to start. Yeah, he, he, he just went He just went to Brentford for an air club record, 23 mil. But yeah. I think he's a, be, he's a better defender than Holding. Yes, is he? I, I, don't, I, 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 I think so. And, and interestingly, interestingly, his centre-back partner, Max Kilman, has also been linked with Napoli. I think they've had a bid rejected at around 26 million. But um, minimum 15 million Holding. 15 plus really? five. I, I, I don't think we're getting that. I'll be real. No. I, I, Edu, Edu needs to get to work because we, we need that. I need to see. That's got to be eight figures. If, if it's a single digit millions, I'm sorry, you've been. I don't know. see. I would see. I, I'll take what I can get from him, man, and just get him off. I'll be honest with you. Whatever I can get, but I I, I I agree with the point generally, and I think we're all in agreement around making good money from sales this year, which is what we we mentioned, Leroy, just before you jumped on about. Um, obviously, 21 and a half for Jacquard, six for Mary. So we've already started from a good point. Um, and, and Katie's a potentially good one. But, I mean, holding, I'd be shocked. I can't lie to you. I'd be so shocked, man. All I say to you, Sean, is when you're selling one of your Rolexes that you want to get rid of, <laughs> call me. Because <laughs> you can get, call me. Because I'll take off your hands. I'm not going to lie to you. If this is football manager... I list Rob Holding on day one of starting my Arsenal save and I don't even set a fee for him and whoever comes in for him comes in for him and gets him. And this is me whose whole argument is about the importance of selling. But in this instance, I just, yeah, I, 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 I can't unsee. That guy's done so many crimes. To okay. That guy would be a relegation fodder team. I'm, I'm yeah. convinced. Literally, head on a stick. I'm telling you, he can do that kind of ball. Yeah, to, to be fair, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, like you said, yeah, a low. I'm, I'm hoping someone like Luton Town, come on, man, a low block team, just come and just, just, just come and give us, give us a little fee for, for holding and, and get him gone. All right, the next yeah. one. I mean, I'm almost putting this at zero because of the wages he's on, and we don't want him, Cedric. Oh yeah, cancellation. He might have. I don't think anyone's. <laughs> I think that might be a contract cancellation because the way he was, he on, I think he's on 80k a week. He's on a lot of money and, yeah. and he, he barely played at Fulham on loan as well. Yeah. So, yeah. God, that's a terrible sign. Yeah. That, that's crazy. I'd, I'd say, like, because we have to give a, like, given a figure, I'd say if we got 2.5 million for him, I'd be ecstatic. But we're not, I, we're not getting a fee. We're, no, we're no, I don't, but I don't think we'll get a fee for him. I'm just saying, innit? Mm-hmm. Now, now this this next one is is very interesting because he played a lot while he was on loan 
season just gone, but he also had a lot of disciplinary issues. Nuno Tavares. Oh man, just like yeah, he's got a he. Do you know what? What did because, we because I think we mil? signed him. No, it was less. It was less. It was like it was, it was around mil. eight mil or something like that. It, it, it was it was it was single digits. I'm pretty sure we didn't sign him for double figures. So it was it was a low. Because I think I remember at the time, right? It was like a it was, it was like a low opportunistic move that we did yeah. when we just signed him, and but we were like. He's what we, I think it was that like 2021 when we signed him, and yeah, yeah. we just thought, oh, you know what? yeah, yeah. So he played a lot for Marseille. He scored six goals for Marseille. Season just gone. He actually had some decent games from wing back, but some of the reporting that came out from France was about his lack of discipline. Uh, I think he was fined at a time as well. Um, so he seems a bit of a headache uh, to deal with. So what would be the fee you guys would take for him? Bearing in mind, he still has three years left on his Arsenal contracts and he is only, he's still only 23 years old, Nuno Tavares. 12 plus 3 million pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly what I was about to say. 12 mil. 12 mil plus, 12 plus, plus and on. And, and, and would, this, yeah. would this be from a Premier League team or a team abroad? To be honest, if it's a Premier League team, I'm, I'm, the price of the bricks going up. Same. Okay. West Ham, West Ham. After what they've done with Declan Rice, hey, hey, twenty five. No, they got to pay thirty for. for West Ham got to pay thirty five. Getting five. Getting five. I want that five back. If, if West Ham are interested, I need that P paid within thirty days. That yeah. whole, that, 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 that whole thing. That's it. Run it, run it. Yeah. I need that five mil. Back. Just give us that whole first instalment back to me, to you. Yeah. Just yeah. run it all back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Okay. Next one. Now, this one is also interesting because he went on loan, but he didn't play a lot last season. And funnily enough, we spent seventeen point five million on Albert Sambi Lakonga. Uh, how much can we recoup for him? We, the, the, this is a loss. We're selling at a loss here. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're not. We're we're what we're doing is with Lokonga. I don't think we're gonna catch any fee for him this summer. We've got to loan him with a mandatory clause. Yeah, and I think if we can get fifteen mil in that mandatory like buy on, um, that's good. I think that I'll I'll just take that. I'll take that. So yeah, so 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 what's interesting with Lokonga is that I agree with you guys. I don't think we're gonna get a good fee if we sell him this summer. So I'm wondering with three years left on his deal, whether it's worth sending him on loan again to somewhere where he we know he's gonna play regularly and hopefully he does well there so that you know by the end of that loan there's a potential to maybe nab a better fee. And I think he's that's not, what that's what might happen. Because bearing in mind he's obviously what he's 23 as well and I think there's potential to get more money if he goes to a team where he plays regularly. He's got to go Burnley. Realistic. Like the one that I see that I think is quite obvious is Burnley, and that's Vincent Company. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that that I, if he can go there on loan and just have a good season, because I mean he'll start for Burnley. Come on. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it can't be that bad. But and I mean, he was actually doing all right at not all right, but things look promising for him at Palace with Vieira. But as soon as Vieira got sacked, um, Roy was like, nah, man. I'm not having this guy. And that's it. It was like back to reset. So 
he needs to go under a coach that trusts him, that will play him. And I think for me, Burnley is the obvious way. He's not played for that many coaches, um, you know, but he definitely played for company, didn't he? So I think that I can see that on loan. Um, okay. I can't see anything else for him. Okay. Yeah, I, he has to rebuild his value. I don't think there's any other way we're going to get a decent fee for him. So I think alone's the only option, really. Mm. Okay, uh, I I agree with both of you. Um, next one, I think this is a pretty easy one. Our club record signing Nicolas Pepe. Hey, contract cancellation. Hey, cancellation, yo. That's a well, that's a cancellation in FC history. So he was on loan at Nice last season. He made, I can tell you now, let me just quickly get it up in terms of performances. He made, well, I mean, that's bad in itself. He only made 19 league appearances for Nice last season and he got six goals. Craziness. So he did not pull up any trees whilst on loan at Lille. So he comes back to AFC now with a year left on his deal, earning 140k per week. Nobody's going to pay that. So we need to be realistic in what we're going to do there. Do we think that's going to be another contract termination? Unless Saudi come in for him. Yeah. 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 That, that's that's Saudi that's your only prayer. <laughs> if Saudi come in for him, um, we could say 20 mil. Mm. And that's it. So it's a loss. We're taking a massive loss on it. Um, with that 20 mil, I think what 14 mil goes on what we owe. That outstanding mm. that we owe. Yeah, yeah, we, owe we, we, owe, we owe one more payment for Pepe. Yeah, so, yeah. so um, we're left with the six mil. So, um, yeah, man, it's a loss. But otherwise, if Saudi don't come in for him, it's, it's, um, it's a contract, a contract termination, 100%. Because he ain't playing. He's not playing for Arteta. Not again. Okay, okay. No, okay. Yep, yeah, and, okay, let's let's move on. And I, and I think this is the most interesting one. Um, following... Balogun, how much do you think we will recoup for our Halen striker who went on loan to Reims last season and scored 22 goals? Is how much I think or how much would I accept? So, yes, uh, you, you can give both because obviously there's, if you believe reports that have come out today, there's interest from both Premier League clubs. I think Brighton Palace were listed and then there were foreign clubs abroad, both Milan clubs and Leipzig, who are loaded with cash after quite a few sales. I want £50 million sterling, guaranteed, <laughs> without a buyback clause. And I will take £40 million with a buyback clause. With a buyback clause, OK. okay. I think realistically, we're probably going to get 35 ish I think... 42.5 million and I think that's with a for me that has to be with a buyback and that's 35 mil down payment but 7 mil in add-ons up to 7 mil in add-ons and that's why very precise 42.5 especially if we're talking about him going Leipzig or even um, Milan AC because AC Milan need a centre forward and they just uh, nabbed 60 mil for Tonali as well so they got some bread. And they, oh, the AC oh, Milan are planning players as well, man. They're signing oh, up that bread. I One thing is, I don't care about holding. I don't care about Tavares. Uh, mm -hmm. We are not selling this shoot on the cheap. No. Nah. Uh, yeah, 
him, him and Tierney are the ones that need to, because put it this way, say, for example, just, just if I'm just giving you a blanket, say, for example, you've got 35 mil each for KT and Balogun, yeah? You are basically reached 100 mil if you take into account what we're getting from Xhaka and Mari as well. So we're almost there. So those are the two cells that we're going to be absolutely reliant on to push us close to where we need to be in terms of 100, just over 100 in, um, in terms of cells. So, yeah. But okay, cool. Good exercise there, Lukey, Tyler. I hope that answered your question. Um, Dr. Lee, let me come to you. Um, so before you came on, we spoke about obviously how well Edu and the negotiating team have done to um, nab the signings and, and get them over the line. Um, and obviously, I know you've not been necessarily keen or aren't favoured with some of the individuals that we purchased, especially at the prices. So with pre-season starting this week, and I think those who participated in internationals set to rejoin at the weekend on Monday, what are you hoping to see in pre-season? Okay, so one thing I've, I've learned, well, I think we knew this, but I learned last season, I think what really, really set us well is we got our signings in early, our main ones. And these guys hit the ground running. We had a very, very good preseason, and that translated into the season. And I've always said it even from Wenger's times. I can kind of tell when Arsenal are cooking in preseason, when they're really going to kick on and start sharp in the season. So I want to see more of the same this year. I want to see these guys get over the line. I want to see them involved in our um, foreign camps straight away. I want to see. I want to see, obviously, these lots to be sharp, to be pushed, to be fit. But one, the main thing I want to see is I want to see a bit of variety in preseason. I want to see chopping and changing. I want to see Rice in the eight, then Rice in the six. Then I want, oh, I don't want to see it, but Havertz come in on the eight. Um, I want to see Nelson get good minutes. I, I want to see people in different positions. I want to see slightly different variations, different formations. And I want to see some tactical flexibility. Um, that's the main thing I'm looking out for this preseason because I feel that, we lost it because when Arteta played his number one formation, his number one players, we were good, but we had no way to change. We couldn't adapt to injuries. We couldn't adapt to different situations at times. And I want to see that flexibility being inbuilt from pre-season now so we can move it forward into the season. That's the, the main thing I'm looking for. So so before I just bring you in, Shabs, quick question, just coming back to you on that, Leroy. So you spoke about lack of flexibility. Um, if you remember, there were times during pre-season last season and at the start of the season where... He did trial that 3-5-2 with Eddie and Jesus up top. And it actually worked. If you, do you remember when we were in Lisbon and we watched that um the Fulham yeah. game, right? When we were chasing that Fulham game and we turned it round and it really worked with Jesus and Eddie. Um one, are you surprised that he didn't try that option more often, that 3-5-2 when chasing games? And two, generally, do you think the lack of flexibility is down to a lack of trust in certain squad players or he just reverted to type? Yeah. So one, I was surprised because it really, really worked well when we were chasing games. You're completely correct. Um, so I was surprised we didn't use it more. But I feel that I feel it's a mixture of things. I feel like Arteta is a bit of a once he finds a formula that works, he just goes with it. And he's been, he's been like that the whole time he's been at Arsenal. And I feel that he hasn't added that ability to change in terms of his that flexibility to his his structure as a coach. And I feel that that has to come in. I, I I do think there is an element of trust in the players, but I feel that part of it is him and his ability as a coach and where he needs to improve. So that is a bit of a cop-out answer because I'm saying both, but um, I think it's mainly Arteta and I think it's mainly where his improvement needs to be done. But then he clearly doesn't trust the um, certain other players because 
think people like as soon as Trossard came, he trusts him, so he gave him bare minutes. Um, other people, it's like he's forced to use them, if that makes sense, and he only uses them at the last, last, last minute when he absolutely has to. So hopefully, we have more people that he like Trossard that he has a faith in, and then we he will show a bit more flexibility next season. Shabs, your thoughts. Sorry, what's the question? I said from pre-season, what are you hoping to see? Okay. So it's, so it's similar to what Leroy said in terms of, um, yeah, just getting exposure to the players. Um, I'm not sure so much if I want to see Rice in different positions. I understand with and agree with the rationale for why, because I think we do need to be flexible, but I'm not sure. I think what I want to see is Rice being able to settle um, in in one position. I want it to be really clear to us because we've got lots of speculation about how these players are going to be utilised. So I want it to be clear to us um, whilst it's keeping the opposition guessing. So is he going to use Rice in the six and Havertz in the eight? Or is he going to use Rice in the eight and Havertz somewhere in the forward line? Or, you know, is it as we expected it to be or is it something else? And I think by seeing enough in pre-season, we should be able to start... Um, you know, he'll leave some clues for us. So I think that's important. Um, I want to see us slapping teams. I need to see us slapping teams. I just think these convincing wins in pre-season are just good for confidence and good for cohesion. Um, I don't think there's lots of new additions. Um, you know, we've got the three so far, but the rest of it is the majority of the core of the squad. Um, so, you know, these are players that already know each other, that really already know what to expect from Arteta. Um you know, so I just, I just, I just want us to play games and play well. I like last season when we played in preseason that we were doing things like slapping Chelsea, like absolutely slapping Chelsea. Um, you know, so whoever we play in preseason, I want these convincing victories. Um, what else is it? What else do I want to see from preseason? I think those are the. Those are the main things. I want Jesus to score some goals in bloody preseason. Like, come on, man! Like, this guy's killing me. Like, I've been def- okay. Been- uh, that that that's that sort of that was going to lead on to my next question. So, you might I might as well stick with you before I go yeah. to Leroy. It was who needs to make a good impression in preseason, or who would you like to see? What players would you like to see make a good impression? You see in preseason, so it's twofold. Who needs to, and who would you like to see it from? For me, uh, Jesus. I don't have concerns about this brother's performances. It's the goals. I need him to just get... He needs a nasty streak. That's what he needs, man. He needs just to be fired up where he just says, you know what, I'm just going to go on a mad one and just start slapping goals. Um, So I need to see something from him. Um, I quite like Kivior. I don't think Kivio, you know, I don't think he's going to start games for us, but I, I think he was encouraging when he came in, especially at the back end of last season. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see him get um, some game time in preseason, especially a bit more cohesion. I would like Rice to do very well in preseason. I want us to be encouraged by Havertz as well and the performances that he gives us in preseason. I don't think I'll be surprised by Timber at all. I think I know exactly who Timber is as a player. <laughs> what he has to offer. I feel like I've got a really good idea of what um, and how he'll fit in to the um, to our team. Um, yeah, that's it. And I, 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 I think as well, kind of to answer this question, but also to kind of answer a bit of the question before, I think I saw something that was interesting. It must have been in the Athletic, but 
it was about attributes becoming more and more important in the way that Arteta wants us to play rather than actual roles. And I think if we talk about players like Ben White, if we talk about Ben White and Timba, if we talk about Zinchenko being utilised at left-back, if we talk about Rice and whatnot, and I think if you liken it to what Man City done last year um, with John Stones, well, this year, earlier in this year, when Pep just went crazy and changed it um, and he clocked the game again, John Stones, yeah, maybe starting positionally as a centre-back and we know him as a centre-back, but he was super effective when he stepped into midfield. And in that Champions League final, I think John Stones was man of the match. The way that he was playing, I thought John Stones was unbelievable. And I think this is a centre-back playing high up sometimes, really high, um, attacking spaces like you'd expect our eights to, like you'd expect City's eights to do. Um, you know, so I think these are the type of clues that I'll be looking at in terms of what some of the players uh, do. Because we can all sit here debating our oh, Rice is going to play as a six or is he going to play as an eight? Where's Havertz going to play and whatnot? I think we're going to be in for some surprises this season. I, I, I'll be honest with you, and I'm hoping that from pre-season we get some sort of glimpses of, of of that, and then throughout the course of the season it really takes its shape and just carries its momentum, a momentum of its own, and um, leads us to goodness. Yeah, um, Doctor Lee, uh, thoughts because it's it's gonna because there's one player I, I I want to hold back on so. Um... Yeah, yeah. yeah, but but any guys you wanna you wanna you, any guys you wanna. So who who I I mean the, the player that I want to um, shine in pre seasons, unfortunately under twenty ones, um, man like Milovic, because um, I think he needs a big season and I think he needs to show something because I think his Arsenal career might be on the line, even though he's clearly got the talent to um, to play for us. Um, I just think circumstances are coming in and where we're going in terms of we are going to the top at the moment. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, this manager and this team are really driving everything forward and I think we're going to be competing for a good while. And the problem with that was when you're a high-performance environment like that, there's no patience. There is no patience. So you've got to bang, you've got to perform or you're out, talent or not. And I don't want to see that. So that's that's the one I really hope for. I really, really hope Havertz um, performs in pre-season. Don't get me wrong, like... I don't like the signing, but if he comes in and scores 15 goals, I'll be so happy um, just because I think we spent a lot of money, committed a lot of resources to him. So that's the big one. I think he needs to really hit the ground running in pre-season because I feel that not just me, I know a lot of Arsenal fans feel the same way as me and a lot of Arsenal fans doubt him. So he's got to win us over very quickly. Otherwise, it's not going to be a nice place to be. Um, in the same way as Shab said, I think Rice needs to settle. 105 million, we don't want that weighing on his neck. Pause. Um, we don't want that to really, really, really be weighing him down. And it's hard when you've got a big price tag, man. You've got a lot to live up to. So if he starts well, that that's gonna help. That's gonna help him moving forward. Um a special mention to uh, Baladin because I would I really want him to come stay at Arsenal. So I, I, I want him to shine on preseason. I want him to score like five, six goals, and we think we've got to keep him and um, change that. But yeah, I would love, love to see that, but I don't think it's going to happen. So interestingly, though, because it doesn't look like his future is any closer to being resolved. Um, I think, is it is it on Monday, Saturday? In, at the weekend, basically, we've... Um, and then after that German tour, we've got the American tour. And obviously now he's the new poster boy for American football. 
So yeah. I wonder whether he goes on that tour with us yeah. or we choose to leave him at home to sort out his future if he's potentially not. Because put it this way, I, like you, I'm, I've been a massive fan of Balogun for the last two and a bit years. And I, I think this kid has it, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's the X factor. The kid just has it. I can, for me, he, I love his self-confidence. I love the way he believes in his own ability. His first full season on loan at a, you know, quite an average team with all due respect. He slapped goals consistently, left foot, right foot, individual goals, team goals, creates for himself. Don't get me wrong. I think there's still facets of his game that needs to improve. We did our, we did the Patreon piece a couple months back. And I think, you know, his, his back to goal game probably needs a bit of work, maybe bringing in teammates he could improve on. But those are all facets that can be improved with coaching. Um, we saw how it improved with Eddie. But I, I, really, I really like this kid, man. And I think wherever he goes, I think he's going to bang. So um, I would love for it to be here, but I just think with Jesus, Trossard, Eddie, I just, and you know, Arteta's a stickler for hierarchy. So unless there's space created, I, I just unfortunately don't see it. So because Trossard uh, was only booked six months ago, he's going to be here next season. And Eddie uh, was given a new 100k a week contract. So he's got four years left on his deal. So really and truthfully, there doesn't look to be that pathway um, unless we choose to create one for him. And that would, you know, require serious dedication, but you know, it, rem it remains to be seen. So, um, and and uh, you, you touched on it, Leroy, and, and Shabda, I want to bring you in here as well on Emil Smith Rowe. He is at the under 21s. Um, he has had groin surgery, so he's finally over the the growing pain issues that have been plaguing him. To quote his words, for the last three years, um, so he is now pain free. Um, I think you know, normally the club wouldn't have wanted him to go to the under 21s, but I think at this stage, Smith Rowe needs to play. And he just needs to play consistently. So he's at the under-21s. He's had uh, two goals. He got a really good assist this evening as England um, under-21s reached the under the final. They've been playing actually a lot of good football um, under Lee Cars. It's been really, really enjoyable, actually, myself to watch. Very, very technical stuff. Um, a lot of one-two touch combination football, which has been really, really good. Um, and he had his assist for a really good link up with Morgan Gibbs-White, who's a player, by the way, tonight as well. Um, so I wonder... And you guys have touched on it. Um, he, more than any, he needs to perform because um, Arteta himself said it doesn't matter what you did a year ago. That, that So, you know, as much as we love ESR and, and what he did the first half of 21-22 season, that doesn't mean anything now. Martinelli's usurped him. Um, you know, Erdegaard is captain. Havertz has just been bought. Vieira is also there. So he needs to show, you know, and obviously the, the under-21 tournament will have finished. It will be finished by this Sunday. So then really for me, he needs to fly straight to Germany <laughs> and come and join the team. And he needs to show out there because I think there's a, there's a lot of expectation around him. Personally for myself, you know, him and Saka are my favourite players. I, I never hide that. And I've got good expectation for the kid just because I rate him. And I know he has the ability. I know he's a goal scorer, knows how to put the ball in the net, anywhere in and around the final third. I can trust him to make something happen. Either through a dribble, for a, you know some combinations to open up space in the final third. So, for you guys, um, where and and you know some of us disagree here. Where do you see him finding minutes in this team, and what does he need to do to win back Arteta's trust and make sure he's in that rotation, so to speak? When you say where, do you mean positionally? Could be positionally, yeah. <sighs> I, th I think it's a really tough one, actually, because I look at what he says his preference is, and his preference is to play in that left pocket. 
So, you know, whether that's um, out wide where Martinelli plays, um, tucked in with an overlapping uh, fullback, I think since Zinchenko's coming to the side, we don't, we don't, we don't see that. We don't play in that way. And then I'm looking at uh, an eight, you know, and probably that left eight as a more natural um, fit for him. And I think it's really boggling considering that we've signed Rice, who I think is not a dead cert that Rice will play six. I think we've still got Partey, still got Jorginho. We're, we're quite stopped at six. I think there's, you know, a real chance that Rice is coming in to play in the box-to-box role. Um, and then we've got Havertz, who we don't know what's going to happen with him. If Rice plays eight, I think Havertz is playing um, in the attacking line somewhere. So I do find it difficult to see where Smith Rowe will, will 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 fit in. But ideally, that's where I'd like to see him getting minutes um, from there. I think he can do it from the other side. I think he's definitely a better um, and more natural understudy to Odegaard than Vieira, for example. And I think if you look at rotation and alternatives for Odegaard, we're lighter in that department in terms of options. So there's where ESR wants to play, but maybe, you know, I think it's probably more realistic to look at him playing where Odegaard plays as um, where his minutes may well come from. Um, I like ESR. I think he's comfy on both sides anyway. I think even in this under-21s, we've seen him play in the right pockets um, and sometimes out on the right flank as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that. I think what he needs to do is, like Leroy said, like you said, Sean, he just he needs to hit the ground running. He needs to make it very difficult to be overlooked. That's what I think he needs to do. Um, and he needs to stay fit. That's the most important thing. I think, you know, there is can't really be question marks about ESR's abilities, capabilities as a footballer. I think he's very competent. He fits in with the way that we play. But the biggest questions with him have been about his lack of availability. That's what it is. If he's fit, I think he'll get meaningful minutes throughout the course of this season. Bear in mind, we're in four competitions. So, yeah. I've got another question though, because I know people, I, I, I agree with you, Shab, I do. Apart from the bit where you said there's no other questions about him, because me personally, from what I've seen from ESR, oh, sorry, is my thing going buggy? No. Nah. Nah. No, no, ESR no. is a, a technical, very, very highly technical player with mm-hmm. very, very good physical attributes and he's got an eye for a goal. Good third man runner, good on the ball, off the ball, right? For me personally, from what I've seen from him, he was good when he came into the team as a 10, but the way he played 10 was a very low-touch, highly mobile, off-the-ball game for a 10, compared to Odegaard, who's very ball-centric, right? When he moved to the left, again, successful, um, as a more of an inside forward, essentially. But I do not see Emil Smith as a midfielder. I don't see it working. I don't see the eight working. I think that he doesn't and this is not saying he doesn't. I just don't think he has the IQ for the game in that in that way, in that position. I feel that midfield's too busy for him, and I feel that there's too much going on. And I feel that when Emil Smith Rowe can simplify his game and play a pass and move quite game, which is quite simple, because if you look at him and all the games have played well, they're very very simple, very simple stuff. Nothing too flashy. It's just high quality, high execution. So I feel that he is better as an attacker. So if, if, I'd, I'd like to see him off the right wing because I, I think that could work too. Because um, mm. he played in the youth sometimes and it, it did really well. Um, right wing, left wing, 10, fine. I don't think he's a midfielder and I don't think we should be forcing it. And I feel that 
the team forcing it and trying to coach him into it is actually a detriment to his career because I don't think it's who he is. I agree with I, I agree about the I completely agree about the low touch um stuff. His his pass appreciation, um his space appreciation, sorry, is 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 like a big thing for him. So he does. He um he finds these pockets, he ghosts into these pockets, he does keep the ball ticking. So like he, you know, but I do think he's got a pass and move game. I think we've seen that. I think we've been able to see him execute off one or two um touches. I do think you got a point in terms of the midfield being a bit more congested for him, but I think just because I'm proposing that he maybe comes in and plays in the absence of Erdegaard, I don't think it means that he needs to fulfil the same responsibilities. So if we were, you know, I think we know how Erdegaard plays and Erdegaard does get involved, although sometimes Erdegaard's missing as well when, when when we need him to, but Odegaard definitely is not afraid of the midfield. Um, you know, I, but yeah, I, don't, I think it's a bit harsh and I, I, I think he's still very young to say that there's not a future for him in the midfield. I do. But I, I appreciate Maybe. looking at his strengths and what he does well and what he has done well for Arsenal. I think that's not a debate and then we're looking at something which we've seen less of, which is him playing in the middle of the park. Um, but I don't think we could be definitive about, about I'm not I'm not being too definitive, but what I'm saying is from what we've seen, maybe he can develop into it. But from what we see at the moment, and I'm not saying it's too busy for him on a technical level, because technically he's up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Looks lost. He he looks like because in 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 that in those in those eight positions, I don't think it's a coincidence that two of our most intelligent players play them. And then when any of those players are out, anyone struggles. Mm. Odegaard, whose IQ is probably, to be honest, he's probably one of the smartest players I've seen at AFC. Mm. Him and Seth, honestly, I think his brain, his football brain is unreal. Unreal. I think crazy. Shaka as Mm. well, for all his flaws, very intelligent player. Very intelligent player. Those players work in those positions. When I look at ESR in that position, he looked completely lost. When I look at Vieira in that position, he looks completely lost. It's not an easy position to play from a IQ level. You've got to be able to read the game very well. You've got to be ahead of you've got to be ahead of a lot of your teammates even because Odegaard's yeah. ahead of Odegaard's three three four steps ahead of some of the team he's playing with. And yeah, ahead of everyone. That's just everyone. what I see that works for us in that position, and I just do not feel it suits him to throw. And I feel like he, he will be much play much better if he's playing out wide. In the same. Fair enough, fair enough. Sean, were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. I so uh, I think there's so many open-ended questions here because uh, I, I can take on board what, what's being said. Um, I, I think the the slight rebuttals I would have would be nobody eighteen months ago would have sat here and said that you know. Granite Jackal would be someone who would have half his touches halved in games. Um, you know, he would be spent a lot of time doing a lot more off the ball work where the majority of his first three, four years, whereas a lot of on the ball stuff, 100 touches a game. Um, and he changed his game at what, 30, 31, right? So I, I don't want to rule it out. I do take the concerns. My main concerns with ESR have always been his body pause, you know, just having the right level of fitness. Um, because he's always been someone who's probably been more of a 65, 70-minute player, 
and then he tends to gas um, later on in games. So for me, it's about getting his body right, pause. Can he stay fit for long? Can he? And then allowing, you know, it's a fitness and an endurance thing for me. That, that's always been my main concerns with him. So uh, the news that we were hearing this summer that he's been doing work with a PT, you know, I remember when Eddie did it and, and Eddie really got into some sick shapes. So I'm hoping ESR can be the same, improve his fitness long term because, you know, maybe sometimes off the ball, I think he can be a bit lax. And as an eight, you know, that's going to be a question mark you're going to need to answer. You're going to be able to need to do a defensive side. And even though Erdegaard isn't what you'd say is like a strong defender, Erdegaard anticipates well, he presses well from the front. So it's kind of more of those things ESR is going to need to show. I mean, you, you could flip it and say these things are going to be question marks over Havertz's head as well, if he's been brought into play as an eight, which I think he is as well. So um, there's a lot of open, open questions because I know Leroy is very strong on the fact that Xhaka was someone who, you know, even though he could be approved on offensively, he was a rock defensively, dropped into our 4-4-2 shape next to the six off the ball. Um, so I think this is where preseason is going to come in and it's going to, you know, we're going to have a lot of questions answered. I think the manager himself is going to want to experiment with a few different things, which is what preseason is about, right? Um, but it's going to be interesting because I know we play... Barcelona in preseason, we play Manchester United in preseason. So we've got some tough games as well in preseason, who I'm sure Ten Hag, Xavi, these guys will be trying out new stuff as well, man. So um going to be great. Like a nitty, you know me, I'm going to be up at those weird hours watching those, you know, those games on the West Coast, East Coast of America. Yeah. I will be there. <laughs> we will be there. We will be there. I'll be talking to you. We will be there. To quote Pep, I need that. We need that. <laughs> so, so yeah, we will we will all be there. Um, yeah, uh, let's let's do a couple of listeners' questions just before we wrap up. Um, I'll start with oh, okay, uh, interesting one from Jettaz at Jagged Ed on Twitter. Um, bit of a left field one. He just says thoughts on Sesk's overall career and his Arsenal legacy, respectively, now that he's retired. Tainted by his move to Chelsea. I could have lived with him leaving and going to Barcelona, I'll be honest with you. Cesc was fantastic. Cesc was fantastic, especially the way he broke through into the side, what he was doing. You see what Leroy said about um, intelligence in the midfield. I think that's so fitting for Cesc because you've got to look at the level of maturity that Cesc was playing with at 16 years old. You know, and he came into the side replacing Patrick Vieira and he was playing with Henri still, you know, still prime Henri. You know, uh, he was key to, he was important in the season that we got to the Champions League final. I think he was 17 years old, you know what I mean? And then he goes on to captain us and whatnot. So, Cesc had some unbelievable games in the Arsenal shirt and fantastic but, um, you know, and he went Barcelona and I couldn't live with that. But, yeah, coming back to Chelsea, for me, just seeing him in that blue and that, and then he won a Prem and that, it just, it taints it for me. Can't be an Arsenal legend. You know what I mean? Icon, yeah, legend. Nah. For, for, for me, he is, after Vieira, the best midfielder I've ever seen play for the club. Like, I think he is fantastic. Bearing in mind, 
this guy had no, he wasn't especially fast. He wasn't especially a great dribbler. <laughs> he didn't have any, you know, and bearing in mind, you, you saw the contrast because we literally went straight from Vieira to Fabregas. Wenger pretty much tore up the whole Invincibles for this kid, mm. for this kid. Obviously, you bear in mind the context of we were moving stadium, we didn't have no money, whatever, whatever. But this kid was was crazy. He's synonymous with some of the best football I've ever seen at the club as well. He, and, and it's a weird because obviously it was during a barren time we had at the club, but really like that project was spearheaded by him and you know it's just a shame that I think at the time that he had to do a lot of carrying because a lot of his other teammates weren't on his level at the time essentially which is why he ended up wanting to leave so it's, it's overall a shame I am like you it, it did upset when he went to Chelsea but he wanted to come back to Arsenal right do you know what I mean he wanted to come back and you know I think the reason obviously Wenger gave for, for not bringing him back was that Ozil was there Kozula was there Wilshire and Ramsey was there so I get it, but yeah, man, it's, it's it's still sad because obviously he went to Chelsea and he won the league, blah blah blah. But yeah, but I, I'm I'm alright, man. I'm not I'm not uh, yeah I'm not. Time has been a healer. I'm not as vexed as I was uh, in previous times, man. And obviously I wasn't vexed when he went to Barcelona because I always know he wanted to go back to Barcelona. Yeah, anyway, so. but it's just it's just that he never fitted there. So so yeah, Leroy. Sesk. Um, I, I hold grudges. Um, I can't lie to you. So <laughs> me. never has, never will. Um, Sesk was one of my favourite players of all time. One of my favourite mm-hmm. Arsenal players of all time. One of the best players I've seen at the club at all time. Um, but the uh, the way he, I, I can't forgive that back against Barcelona because I think I think he did it on purpose. I've, I, I swear to you, he did it on purpose <laughs> because. He, I've never seen him do that before. I've never seen him do that after. So, yeah, whatever. Um, when he went to Barcelona, the way he went to Barcelona, I don't like it. Um, it was snaky. He forced us to take a shit fee. Um, shit if he'd have got, got better money for us, fair enough. But he forced us to take a shit fee because of his behaviour. Um, what them man were doing, he, he let them put the shirt on him, all that kind of stuff. The Chelsea, and Chelsea of all clubs, oh, makes me sick. So... I won't love him the way I should love him, but he, he was top. In terms of his quality, I can always respect him. He was always one of my favourites. And, and and I think part of the reason as well, I actually generally think he broke Wenger's heart. Like, yeah. I generally, like, I think he broke Wenger's heart, you know, like that, like you said, the way the Barca stuff transpired, I was like, after all Wenger did for you, you know, because imagine like, man put you into the team at 16 years of age. That is, that is unheard of. That is actually unheard of. Yeah. So... But yeah, in terms of footballing ability, never in question. I think he's one of the best to ever do it. Um, but you, you can't love him like a legend, man, just because of what happened. Me personally, and like I said, like time doesn't heal for me. I'll, I'll always have a, a, a bit of resentment towards him. And we shouldn't be let, and we shouldn't be letting these men come back in the club. I saw him taking pictures of Wilshire. They need to allow it, man. <laughs> you need to stop being his child. If you want a legendary status here, you need to act right when you're here because you need to you, can, you need to know that you can't fuck off and go and spread nash for other teams and stuff like that. And then come back here, come back here when you're retired and old because you know it's a good place to to do your badges and a good place in a, a family-run club. No, we can't have that. So we, no. we need we need to put a pillar in the ground and say no. You're not coming back. You are not having anything to do with the club at all. End of story. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, interesting question from Yonko Abs. Big him up. Us every week. Is um is Ben White really an option at DM? No. I did not this let this die with Marlon. Why let it die? <laughs> die. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? 
John Stones has revived the centre back at DM fucking debate. Do you know Let what? Do you know what? You see what I said about attributes, not positions. I promise you, Pepper started something here, and not everyone's gonna follow this mold, but Pep Arteta's cut from the same cloth. Yeah, it is not going to surprise me. Not to see him starting as a DM, but to see Ben White taking up positions there, it's not going to surprise me. I promise you, like it won't. In the same way, because we know that's what Timber is very good at doing as well, and very comfortable doing, albeit from centre-back, moving into that space. He can do it from right-back. So I think there'll be less variation in terms of the way he wants his two right-backs to play. I think they'll be closer aligned in terms of their playing styles um, together. But yeah, I think I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not advocating for it, but I'm saying I'm not going to be surprised if I see it because I think Pep started something and Arteta will definitely follow in suit. Yeah, so, so like you, I'm not advocating for it. but and, and obviously, like you said, I'd rather just sign a DM or whatever we're using, Rice, whatever, whatever. But... I would never rule out anything with Ben White. I can't lie to you. I just think the guy's just generally a very, very good footballer. I think he's one of those guys you can just move and manoeuvre about wherever. And I think mm. he will look... I don't think he's one of those guys who looks like a fish out of water wherever you put him personally. Mm. Um, so wherever, like, you know, he adapted from centre-back to right-back and he was calm, I think he could probably... He could do, like, generally step into midfield like Zinchenko does. Maybe not... Obviously, he's not, like, high 100 touches, but... I think he could do a different variation of it. I just think he's a very, very good player, Ben White, man. And I just need probably needed to just give him his flowers again, um, especially as he's someone who's always fit and he always plays. And that, that obviously, we know counts for a lot with Arteta as well. Like, you look with Xhaka. So, Arteta will always rely on a guy like that, man. So, but yeah. Um, you, man. What do you think happens with Ben White by the end of this next season? What do I think? What? What do you think happens with Ben White by the end of the next season? Because we're buying Timber. Mm-hmm. Might start right back. Saliba don't look like he's coming out. Like you said, it's, it's, it's four competitions, right? Um, I, I think one thing a lot of us forgot. Um, well, I, I don't know if we forgot, but obviously, like, you know, when that Saliba injury happened and we were all here deliberating what to do, is it a case of we just put holding in and just keep the other dynamics? Obviously, we know now, don't ever do that again. Kivior at right centre back, which Arteta was low to do until he did it, um, or just move Ben White and and probably the most logical one, which was to do. Um, unfortunately, Tommy Asu got injured the same time Saliba did, was to move Ben White centre back and have um, Tommy Asu right back. Ben White's still a very very good centre back in my opinion. So you know it's a case of because Saliba was fine the whole of last season until he wasn't. So I think and I think Leroy you said we need to manage and be careful with back injury. So games where we if we want to sit Saliba down, just move Ben White in, Timber right back. I think the the the, the great thing is like you said, we have the optionality now, the variety, the different versi versi uh, you know, versatile options. I think it's only really Gabriel and maybe Saliba who are the stick on centre backs. The other guys we have like Kivior, Timber, Tommy, they cover a range of different positions. So I think you can just mix and match. And I think basically after what happened with Saliba Arteta just wants to ensure that situation can never happen again, basically. Because because if you look at it, um, I dropped something in the chat not too long ago, a quote from Gabriel Salib, um, Gabriel Jesus, and he's just said today, he was like, 
basically we lost the title because Saliba got injured. He was yeah. like, I got injured, Eddie replaced me, Trossard came in, blah, blah, blah. But he said, the moment Saliba got injured, we just started conceding good. goals. Yeah. We just started yeah. conceding goals. So that yeah. is the reason we lost the title. And I think Arteta just basically was like, because every other injury we had last season, we were able to manage well. We never managed that situation well. So uh, to answer your question, Leroy, I don't think anything will happen with Ben White. I think Ben White, like he does every season, he will stay fit and he will play above 40 games in all comps. Maybe 25 or 25 will be starts, maybe 15 off the bench or whatever, or rotated in. But I'd, I'd, unless you're going to tell me different, I don't expect anything different to happen with Ben White. No, I don't. I think next season, contract renewal, Ben White. Ben oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Him and Erdegaard will be the next contracts yeah, that, yeah. Need, that need to be as yeah. well. So, yeah. No, I'm just making sure because I've got a lot of time for Ben White, but some people have been suggesting on the Twitter sphere as we see that he, he might be one that. Um, is going to be uh, subject to a lot of bench time, and a certain man that likes sushi in our in our group chat. A certain man that like likes sushi and likes to iron his socks. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, you can see our Twitter selling Ben White. So. Oh. oh, does he use them specialist face creams as well? And he, apparently, he's got face cream, hand cream, foot cream, ankle cream, and neck cream. Pause. The 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 brunch connoisseur. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, he, we're not saying no names, but he knows who he is, isn't it? Like, he holds, he holds the, um, Iron Hostage every hotel he goes to. Yeah, he, he irons six sets of boxes for the week and, and lines them up, hangs them up, he irons them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know who you're talking about still. Yeah, I think I, I think that brother Ben White is secure, and I, I think what fans need to get into their head. I think what a lot of people need to get into their head as well, man. Gone are the days of just, oh, yeah, like, you know, um, having, like, you know, certain players for the eleven, and then not being able to see past that. We've seen, like, the very good example is Saliba. You know, you need a squad. It's evidence of why you need a squad and why you need competent players. And um, I don't mind. I'm all for cohesion and players getting regular minutes in regular positions as well. But I do want adequate um, players who can come in and replace the ones that are, you know, are starting. I want it to be interchangeable in terms of squad quality and squad depth. And I think Saliba was a big one, but I think you know there was a there was a lack of quality options at times last season. You know, in moments where we needed um, them to be a bit more decisive, and um, Arteta is a part of that problem. But yeah, we spoke about his lack trust or lack of trust and all that as well. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah, I think that I was going to ask, uh, there was a question that was asking about what would everyone's 11 be when fit? But I think the fact that we've just talked about it being more of a squad game, I don't I don't think we really need to cover that. So, um, gents, unless there's anything else you that's burning that you'd like to discuss, I think we'll leave it, we'll call it a night there. Um, we'll wrap it up. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, guys, if you want to ask where Shabs and Leroy have been, you can ask them. Um, you know, I see Shabs, Shabs is doing um, home decorations. Dr. Leroy has just bought a mansion and is moaning about the NHS. So really and truthfully, you can get at both of them on Twitter when you want to. So... <laughs> hey, so, so, what have you been doing, bro? What have you been um, buying? Oh, he's bought his seventh Rolex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's flexing it. on the group chat. No, the no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, man, 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 man,
Jesus, let me wake up first, man. What is this? I was like, well, I had to rub my eyes, sleep in my eye, all sorts of things. Oh, exactly. oh behave. Listen, exactly. Exactly. 9 a.m. is the time to be up. When you man are messaging in the group chat at 11.30 midnight, I'm fast asleep, mate. So, yeah, and, and this is even past my bedtime now. So let's call it a night there. Let's wrap it up. Gents, thank you very much for joining me. Um, listeners, pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Um, we will have Patreon pieces coming on. Kai Havertz and Yuri and Timba and, um, you know, anything. I refuse to take part in that, Kai Havertz. No no problem. We'll, we'll make sure the Germans on as uh, he needs to come and represent his, his compatriot. Um, so, yeah. But, gents, thank you very much. Listeners, thank you very much. See you next week. Peace. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Yo! Sports Social Podcast Network.